At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a world full of information, literally at our fingertips. Among all the claims of truth in the world, it can be hard to separate fact from fiction. This is often the case when it comes to the Christian faith. Do we understand the truth of what we believe, and can we articulate it to others? In The Essentials, Why Truth Matters, we'll use the affirmations of the Apostles' Creed as a guide to teaching us the core doctrines of the Christian faith. Join us each week as we affirm the foundational truths of Christianity so we can stand on the bedrock of God's truth and share that good news with the world. So I heard this story, and it's about uh, a friend opening up a new office for his company. And so his other friend decided, you know what? He's opening up this new office. I'm going to go give him a floral arrangement. I'm going to get him some flowers, get it sent over there. So he got a floral arrangement, got it sent over there. And when he saw the flowers, he noticed that they gave the wrong ones. And he could tell because of the flower type and also the note. When he looked at it, it said, rest in peace. So he said, man, this is, this is wrong. So he called the florist. He said, you messed up my order. This is wrong. Imagine this guy, he just opened his new office, and I'm telling him to rest in peace. He says, hey, man, I am sorry, but just think about it this way. The other person at their funeral, they had on their note, enjoy your new location. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. There's a point. We're in our last week in our series, The Apostles' Creed, and we've been talking about this for nine weeks. Over two months, we've been talking through the creed, and it's been amazing, hasn't it? Just talking about what we believe, why we believe, the foundations of our faith, and so I think it's so important that we end talking about the end. You know, the creed started off talking about life, that God is the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. And now for the last statement, the last line in the Apostles' Creed, it talks about death. It talks about that we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, amen. And so this is something that we as a culture, we hang out on. Everyone is intrigued. The world is intrigued on this question, what happens after we die? What's next? And some of us, we've delved into some different worlds to try to figure this out. What happens? We're all going to die. It's been statistically proven that 99.9% of us die, right? The thing is this, what happens next? And so there's this fad going around in our culture. There's literature. You know, one of the most famous books in recent history is the book Heaven is for Real, where this young boy experienced death, uh, going to heaven and coming back and sharing on his experience. Then there's TV shows, whether it's on TV, The the Good Place, or, or even other things like Disney's movie called Soul where people, they hang out on our intrigue to want to know what happens next. And so you hear these euphemisms all the time, like uh, when we pass beyond the veil, when we go to that next life. And that, that one euphemism talking about passing beyond the veil, it's because there is this veil that, that separates us. 
And sometimes that veil, it's a little, it's just mildly translucent, so you can see remnants or crumbs or little ideas of what it may be. But the truth is, none of us fully know 100% what is next. We have what God teaches us, and we hang out on that, but we don't have every single fact on what happens next. And so I think that's why with the Apostles' Creed, you start about life, you start on creation of the world, of man, of animals, and then you end with death, and the death in this case is the resurrection of the body. Because the big idea that that we wanna talk about today is resurrection is coming. Every single person in this room will be resurrected. Okay, we can do that. Some of us resurrected to life, but some of us resurrected to death. We gotta remember that everyone, good, evil, saved, not saved, everyone will be resurrected. But to those in Christ, they will be resurrected and their bodies will be regenerated to new life and life eternal. And yes, that day is coming. And so when that time comes, which resurrection will we have? A resurrection of life everlasting or a life of judgment? I love how Jesus says it in John 5, 28 through 29. He says through that text, an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and they'll come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and to those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And so we see here, if you understand the context of that entire chapter, those who have done good, that refers to those who have believed in Jesus those who have put their trust in Jesus. So when he says resurrection's coming and hours coming when the dead will be raised from their graves, again, those who are resurrected, again, to life or to death. And that's why I think it's important today we hang out in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So if you got your Bibles or your Bible apps, uh, we also will put the text up on the projectors. We're going to be hanging around in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, specifically verse 13 through verse 18. And if you know anything about the book of Thessalonians, it was written by a guy by the name of Paul, the Apostle Paul. He wrote this, and he wrote it to the church that he actually helped establish in the city of Thessalonica. And this city of Thessalonica... It was actually in modern-day Greece, a little more northern. At the time, it was called Macedonia. And so they were in this region of Greece, and it was filled with pagan worship. It was, it was filled with false gods. And, and he planted this church, and there was a lot of misconceptions about what happened after we die. And so he starts educating, teaching into this, so the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians would know, hey, what's going to happen after we die as Christians? Because it's okay for those in this room who are new to their faith. We learn, we grow, we develop. You don't got to know everything. We grow in 
understanding. We grow in the word. And some of us, we've studied this, we're still confused. But regardless, we're going to talk about that the resurrection is coming. And really, how should we respond to the fact of the truth of the resurrection? How do we respond to this? If we're Christ followers and we're going to be resurrected to life, what is our response to the future resurrection? And so I think Paul gives us in this text three different things that we can glean from that, that show us how to respond. And the first one is this. We grieve with hope. We grieve with hope. Now, what does that mean? Let's jump into the text. Let's read this in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-14. This is what it says. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So let's leave this up here for a second, because if you look at verse 13, he's talking to the Thessalonian Christians, and clearly they have wrong information. Hey, I don't want you to be uninformed. And what's happening here with the Thessalonians is they're thinking, they're believing that those who have passed away, who are Christians, they've fallen into the belief that, that they're not going to be resurrected. So at this point, they thought only the people who were alive when Christ returned would be resurrected, would be changed, would be with him for eternity. He said, no, 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 no. Those who are asleep don't grieve as those who don't have hope. They're going to be resurrected too. And that term they, they use, those who are asleep, that's a term that's used for those in Christ who have died, who have physically died. And, and so when you hear that phrase, those who are asleep, think about sleep, right? When we go to sleep, we wake up. And, and so they, who are in Christ, they will wake up to resurrected life. Now, I got a good question in between first and second service. They said, well, what, what about... What about, are, are we in like a temporary heaven? Are, are we in a form of heaven till the new heaven comes? Or are we literally just asleep and then we wake up and then we're, you know, Jesus is coming back? It's a great question. And depending who you are, you lean on different understandings of that. I believe that we will go to a temporal form of heaven until Christ returns and creates a new heaven and new earth. So those of us who are asleep, who are physically dead, we'll still be with the Lord but not in our final resting state, in the, in the transformation and resurrection and regeneration of our body. And, and so he goes into this, and he says, don't grieve as those who do not have hope. Here's what's going on here. When people have died, those who are in Christ, they are grieving just like those who have died who have no hope. You say, wait a minute. Yes, we're sad that our brothers and sisters in Christ have passed away. We are hurting. We are broken over that. But we don't grieve as if we don't have hope. We grieve with hope. There's a very big difference between those who grieve for those who have died who do not have Christ 
and grieving for those who died who did have Christ. And so these Thessalonian believers, they, there was no distinction. They were, they were grieving as if their brothers and sisters in Christ who have died, they'll never see again. Because they stopped believing that they would be resurrected. And so it didn't mean they weren't Christians anymore. It just mean they were misinformed. And so here comes Paul on the scene, and he wants to guide them in truth. He wants to say, hey, they're coming back. They're going to return. Why are you grieving death in the same way that they are? There's hope. Let me give you an illustration. You know, it, it's raining, right? I'm a little ticked off right now, right? We had a good day yesterday, and, and I saw this on Facebook. Someone said, I think they call it May in Michigan because it may be 70, it may be 10 degrees, it may be sunny, it may be snowing, it may be sleeting. And I'm like, that is truth. Amen. Preach, right? I didn't do that. In my mind, I did. But here's the thing. When I think about Michigan, when we moved up here, one thing I, I decided, my wife and I decided is, hey, we're going to move to Michigan. It gets a little gloomy. It gets a little cold. We have to make it a priority to take one trip down south in the winter. Who here takes a trip down south in the winter? Okay, we got some people. We got to make it a priority because we ain't getting no vitamin D. That blue light therapy does not work. Okay. I got all of it. My Planet Fitness membership with free tanning does not work, okay? It's good to know, right? It does keep me really seamless in my tan. But the thing is this. The thing is this. What helps me is knowing that there's something on the horizon. You know, when it started getting cold in October or September or July, whichever month, right? When it started getting cold... In the dead of winter in July in Michigan, we, uh, I, I knew we have a family reunion coming up in Orlando. We're all staying in my cousin's house down there. It's going to be great. And it just helped me, right? I got a trip coming. I got a trip coming. There was hope. But then there's the other side when there's not something on the horizon, right? And, and your skin starts to look a little more pasty than usual. <laughs> And you're like, oh man, is it ever going to not be gloomy and overcast? And, and so you think about these two different experiences that you might have. The big thing is you have something to look forward to. All right, in two weeks, we're going to be going on a cruise. In two weeks, we're going down to South Carolina. In two weeks, we're going to go see our family in Tennessee. You have something to look forward to. And so I think about this and what Paul is telling the Thessalonians. This, this isn't just about, you know, my flimsy vacation plans with flight tickets and gas prices or, or even a hotel. But, but the thing is, in Jesus, there's something certain we have. It's just as certain as the grave is empty. That he will come back and we will raise up with him again. we got to believe that. And yes, we grieve, right? I, I don't want to be that Christian who, and I've seen this trend at times, where it's like, I'm a Christian, I, I need to have no emotions for anyone who dies, because Jesus and God, they're sovereign, and, and I know I'll see him one day, so i got to be perfectly fine. It's like, no, we got emotions. When granny dies, I'm sad, because I love my granny, and I love talking with her. I love spending time with her. And so I miss her in the moment. And, and then we're, we grieve for those who battled, how many of us have known loved ones that battled mental health 
battled physical ailments for decades. We grieve that. Oh, man, I, I wish they didn't have that back pain. I wish they didn't have that battle. I wish they didn't have that cancer, right? We grieve the destruction, the breaking down and decay of the body. And in so many ways, as I get older, I think the mental battle is greater than the physical battle. I think in here is the greatest war. And so you think about this. We grieve, but we don't grieve without hope. I think that's important for us to realize. Oh, you know, we serve a sovereign God. He's great. I don't have him. No, Paul said we grieve. We still grieve. We still hurt. But we grieve with hope. You know, I think about, you know, the, the idea of grief and, and grieving with hope. The more we're attached to this world, the greater the grief will be. So sometimes it does get to in a healthy place. But as we say often, this ain't our, this ain't our final home, right? We're aliens. We're sojourners in a foreign land because our home is there. And so that's why we go into our second point, is we anticipate his return. We anticipate Christ's return. This is actually something we get excited about. When people think about end times, right, you have two people, like they're super interested, they want to study, they have questions, and some of us are like, oh, I don't want to talk about it, you know? Like, let's turn the channel, right? Like, I don't want to think about it. It scares me. It wigs me out. I think about, is there going to be war? Is there going to be famine? Is there going to be struggle? And yes, some of that stuff will happen. But we see with Paul that he tells them to anticipate. Anticipate Christ's return. Let's jump into the text and read from 1 Thessalonians. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. You know, I thought I had ups, right? I'm going to meet the Father. If I'm here, we hear this phrase, meet him in the air. What is a term that we hear for that? It's rapture. That, that those who are dead in Christ, they will rise first. And then we who are alive, we who are left, will meet Christ in the air. A beautiful reunion of those of us who have passed on, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we'll meet each other in the air. Now it's important to remember there's a lot of debate on this. Some people have different views, different understandings. Actually, this week in our staff meeting, we talked through end times and, and different understandings, and we had a lot of different views. And, and it's exciting to, to speak into our areas of di uh, different beliefs, to refine each other, to understand this is not a tier one issue. Like, if you don't believe my way, that doesn't mean you're not saved, right? Now, if you don't believe that Jesus is Lord, 
and he saved us from our sin. Okay, that's a big deal. That's the foundation of our faith. This is not a tier one issue, but it is something that we want to study and we want to seek truth with and we want to refine each other. That's why in a couple weeks when we start our Revelation series, we're going to have a lot of fun doing that. I am very excited. Looking forward to my emails. Every time I preach on Revelation, my emails go up, right? And uh, most of the time it's good, okay? I'm like, hopefully when the rapture comes, you go with us, right? No, no, the thing is this. The thing is, we have a lot of different beliefs and I enjoy it because we pursue truth together. We pursue it as a church. And so with the debate, no matter where you stand, there is one truth that we all agree with. There's something in end time study, in eschatology is the word, that we agree with. And that is that Christ will return and we will be resurrected. Everyone agrees on that. Whether we meet him in the air, whether he comes after a thousand years or before the thousand years, wherever we stand, everyone believes that we will be resurrected when Christ returns. And so that's something we can land on. When he descends, the dead in Christ will rise from the earth, and that's something that we can celebrate. I love how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15. This is what he says. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Yes, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Some of us will be alive when Christ returns. In other words, not all Christians, we're not all physically going to die, even though majority of people, majority of those who are in Christ, they will be gone. They will be deceased. And it's going to happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. And when that trumpet sounds, the dead will be raised imperishable, and they will be changed. I love that image. And so I think about that, and one thing I love about cinema is it, it helps bring certain things to life. And so none of these illustrations will give a perfect image of what we're trying to say. But one of them I thought was perfect for this. And, and some of you know I, I enjoy Marvel movies, right? Who here likes Marvel movies? Do we have any? Okay, wow, okay, we got a lot of people. So you're going to understand this. And, and luckily, with, uh, when Marvel started in 2008, to 2019, they did what they called the Infinity Saga, or Saga. And it's about all these movies building up to this battle with Thanos, their arch nemesis, which ironically the word, the name Thanos in Greek means death. And so you got Thanos, everything is leading up to this great battle, and it leads to what we know as the Infinity Wars, Endgame. And you got this great battle that's going on. And, and in this specific movie, the movie before that, you have what's called the Infinity War. And so you got the Hulk, and you have Thor, and you got Captain America, and you have uh, uh, Black Widow, and you have all these superheroes that are fighting. And it's starting to look bad, right? Slowly, one after another, the Wakandan army, the, the Marvel heroes, they start to go down, and it, it appears that hope is lost. And if you've seen this movie, you know in that moment, here comes from the sky... Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. 
He comes from this guy, someone who looks exactly like me, as I mentioned, very similar in height and stature. His name is Thor. And so he lowers out of the heavens, right? And, and he comes to earth, and he has this new weapon called the Stormbreaker, and it's flying out. And I remember being in the theater, packed out, and grown men acting like children, lifting their hands, yeah, right? I remember, and, and then I looked and I realized I was one of them. But the thing is this, you see this, this weapon flying around and there's hope. And then he rises into the air with lightning and thunder. He says, bring me Thanos, right? And then he crushes the ground and people go flying and there's celebration, that wonderful epic uh, music, Avengers music comes out right at the right time and the celebration happens. And so when I think about this and you think about Christ's return, we can't even put it with cinema, we, we can't put it in words, but when he returns, it'll be breathtaking. When he returns... He'll be returning as a warrior king. When he was here, he came meek and mild and born in a manger, in poverty, in rags, and death on a cross. But when he returns, he's going to return very different. When he descends, he does come as a warrior. And he comes with his angels, and he comes with his saints, and he's going to change everything. And we celebrate that. Yes, we celebrate that. And that's important for us to remember because we anticipate his coming. We don't shove our fingers in our ears. We anticipate it. We look forward to it. We celebrate it. It's so much better than Thor, the son of Odin, coming out of the sky. It's the change into the world with the voice of an archangel and the sounds of trumpet, of trumpets. And, but it will come like a thief in the night. And if we're not in Christ, there's no better time to start than today. Because those who are in Christ leads us to our third point is we actually encourage each other with these words. You look at the end of that section, the end of that chapter, and it tells us, comfort one another. We comfort one another. Let's throw up verse 18 of chapter 4. And it says this, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Guys, these words weren't put in here to scare us. These were here to lift us up. And if we're scared, some of us, we might be scared because we don't know where we are with Christ. Or we've been living a flimsy Christian life, lukewarm, in and out. Or, or we allow other things to win the day instead of our, our relationship with Christ or our relationship with our church. And by the, by the, the, the basketball tournament coming up or baseball tournament, those things win the day. Or, or our job or a vacation or whatever. And it's easy for things to take the throne instead of Christ. And so maybe if, if we're not encouraged by this and we're a little scared, maybe because there's something not right even in our heart or there's some conviction in our, our heart or maybe there's a sin that we know in our life right now that we're just not giving up to Christ. We're just not surrendering that to Christ. And, and so we 
in Christ, encourage one another. And, and so that's a good, uh, a good sign for us to realize if we're not feeling that way because comfort and encouragement, super similar. Whether you're reading the King James Version or you're reading the New American Standard Bible, encourage and comfort, very similar terms. And the idea is, is the same type of encouragement and comfort that we give someone who's just lost a loved one. We build up. It's going to be okay. We're, we're going to get through this. And even though in those moments it can be terribly discouraging, we build each other up. It's like if someone, they're like, man, I just, I battle, I've battled this my whole life. Doesn't mean that pain's going away, but one day it's going to change. And we don't have any promises that it'll change in this life, but we do have promises that'll change in the next life, in our life after life after death. In that life, there will be change. And, and I love it as well, if you look, therefore encourage one another. That phrase is important. Because Paul doesn't highlight just the role of pastor or counselor or therapist, as helpful as they could be. He highlights the role of the entire community. This isn't just someone else's job who maybe that's a profession. This is our job as the church. Let's build up each other. Let's encourage each other. And that's something that death is just part of life. I get that. But we have hope in what's next. Um, I got to do something with my Michigan, Michigan State rivalry, okay? I've been trying for months to keep it on the down low, okay? My wife, Winston, don't tell another Michigan. I got one up today. But Michigan State people, you're going to have your moment of glory. And it's going to be very, very slim. Okay, so I grew up, <laughs> I grew up in Chelsea, Michigan, and that's pretty pretty close in between Ann Arbor and Lansing. It's a little closer to um, to Ann Arbor, luckily. But but the thing is, as Justin, our Michigan State grad, comes up, he was shaking his head. All right, yeah. <laughs> so so I, I I cheered on Michigan. I was a huge fan. I'm way too big. It just if things didn't go what I thought the way it should for Michigan, it would ruin my day. That was that kind of fan, and, and I, I have to admit that. Well, Michigan finally started to get good at football again in 2015. And they're playing their annual matchup against Michigan State, and they're winning. All they had to do was punt the ball. That's all they had to do. Throw the ball, kick, right? That's it. And instead, the kicker said, oh, here, Michigan State player, take it, right? We found out he actually was a Michigan State fan. That's why it happened, so conspiracy. No, I'm joking. Okay, here's the thing. The whole point is this. I remember after that game just being so frustrated. I was mad. I was walking around. Are you serious? And I remember my friends, they had a heyday. It was torture. You know, and then I had another friend who, he was the, the token friend who didn't know anything about sports. And he's like, at least they have a winning record. I was like, oh, come on. Get out of here. Like, come on. Who won the match? I'm like, no, get out. Leave. Leave. And, and so we're there. And, and I remember just being so frustrated because, man, my team lost. 
We lost the game. And, and I was burdened. I was angry. I was upset. Nothing could solve that issue. And, and so I think about with, with things like that, right? Nothing's going to solve a loss on the schedule sheet. And, and there's things in this life that we don't have an answer for. But we do have an answer for what's next. And whatever is not right, he will make right. He will get to the heart of the matter. Our lives, they might be broken. We're going to physically pass away. But he will make things right. And I think about some of us. We're like, man, things are actually decent. Or we can pay the bills. In the, in the economy, yeah, it's a little more tight, but we're okay. But there's some of us that that is anywhere but the truth. You know, I had the luxury yesterday of serving at the food pantry, and I was able to bring my three kids. And like usual, it's the third time we've been able to serve. And they come in, and they're supposed to serve, and then the food pantry ends up serving them. And I'm like, no, this is not what it's supposed to be. So Matt Smoger gave Charlie her second cupcake. And... Um, and so here we are, and we're at the food pantry, and I was just amazed. Everyone knew what they had to do. They're flying around. Usually I'm the pastor talking, saying hi, and people were just locked in. There was a line of people outside waiting for that 10 o'clock time for that door to open so they can get food. And I remember going downstairs, and I was uh, pushing out carts to the car, and I was you know, grabbing loaves of bread and, and doing whatever they needed and I remember going into the cafe, and one thing that I was so amazed about was how much these people in our community had a relationship with people in our church. It wasn't just, hey, let me get my food, let me go. No, they go in the, the cafe, and there's a meal. And you see people in our church sitting at the table with them, whether it was Jill or Dan Dameron, of course, Karen Winter, different people, Tina, Matt, individuals sitting at the table. I remember making a joke with, with one of the guys there that came to get food uh, about Karen Winter, who led the food pantry for years. And he looked at her, he said, this lady's changed my life. And they're just hanging out, drinking coffee, having a great time. And I remember one of my favorite parts was they make these little goodie bags for the children. So a dad came in with his son and they had a little bag for him as well so he could have treats that he might not have on a regular basis, candy and chips and all the name brand stuff. And, and so I remember I, I carried their stuff out and right when they were leaving, they got their bread and they got their milk. And, and the lady who was leading, which is Tina, she said, hey, do you want a couple extra loaves of bread? Sure, yeah. And so then I walked out his food and he was with his friend and his son. And he was like, I got two extra loaves of bread this week. He was celebrating. He's like, that's so happy that they had just a little extra. And, and so some of us, man, things are okay. Or more than okay. Or we're fine. But some of us, man, we look towards the day. Because it's hard. It is hard. I don't want to ba battle this addiction anymore. I don't want to be this father. I don't want to be angry anymore. 
I work every day, overtime, and I barely can pay the bills. We look towards the day. We comfort one another. We anticipate that he's coming back, that he will return, and he will make everything new. He's going to make your bum knee new. When it rains, we won't have that creek in our back. He will make everything as it was always supposed to be. And that's something we encourage each other with. I think there's no better time to take communion. So if you don't have communion, raise your hand. We'll pass it out. Uh, raise it high so we can see you. There we go. <laughs> And, and I, I think of no better way, because if you look at 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, 26, it, it talks all about, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So when we take this, we proclaim his death until he returns. There'll be a day we won't have to take communion because we won't have to remember because we're going to be with him. And until then, we proclaim his death until he comes back. And we know that that happened through his body. His body he gave up to be broken for us. He surrendered it obediently for our sin. And so when we come together and we take this bread, let's do this in remembrance of him. With his body being broken, his blood was shed. And we know that Christ, through his death, lost so much blood through scourging, through the nails through his wrists, and the nails through his feet. It's believed when he was stabbed in the side, mainly water came out because he had lost so much blood, suffocating to death. And so we take this knowing that blood, that was shed for us, for you, for me. So every time we take this and we drink this, we do this in remembrance of him. Father, I want to pray right now. As we talk through this Apostles' Creed, and the biblical truths that you're going to come back and our bodies will be raised. This is the truth because you said it'll be done. We know that most Christians will be asleep by that time. But just like we sleep at night, they, they will wake up and we will wake up. That's the beautiful thing about the kind of sleep we will have with you. Father, I pray that we anticipate your return. We comfort one another in your return. And if we're not right with you, if you came back today and we don't feel right with you, let's make ourselves right with you right now. God, we are all broken. <laughs> we all have our hurts, our struggles. The beauty of the cross is you love us and forgive us and walk through that pain with us. We don't walk it alone. 
thank you again for this morning. We could celebrate, we could remember and declare that you are coming back. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.